Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Teacher Takeaway podcast. This is season three, episode two, and I hope you saw on our socials during the week that we reached 80,000 downloads and we're being streamed in 90 countries, which is just phenomenal that Aaron is just, it just blows my mind. Yeah, absolutely. I cannot believe it. Very, very exciting. So thank you, listeners, for your support. We have a very exciting episode. This one's all about classroom vibe. When looking at the inquiry question, how do, we, how do teachers and leaders cultivate a healthy culture or a classroom vibe? And we have a very exciting guest on this episode. We are joined by Dr. Timothy O'Leary, who is the Managing Director of Educational Data Talk. He's an honorary fellow at the University of Melbourne, a father of three and a self-professed data nerd. As an educator, Tim has worked in government, independent and faith-based schools in roles ranging from classroom teacher to school leader and his most recent role being the director of learning. So he definitely brings a wealth of knowledge and perspective to our conversation for this episode. Tim, I'm really intrigued by your journey. How did you get to this point in your um, career? Well, well, first of all, hi, Alice, and hi, Aaron. Nice to be hi. here. Um, and, and thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. So I, I never meant to be a teacher. I never, you know, I went to, I finished school. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and one of my teachers, my geography teacher, you know, was kind of directed me towards a degree in um, called geomatics. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Uh, but it's essentially land information and surveying. And I went and studied that back in 95 to 99. And I, I got to the end of that and like, that was fun, but I don't want to do that for a career. Yeah. So I um, took a graduate job with PricewaterhouseCoopers and worked for them for two years. But really from midway through the first year, I kind of realised, you know, this isn't for me. Um, I Because all I was doing was helping a big company help other companies make more money and save money and to be more efficient. It didn't feel like I was contributing really. Yeah. Um, back, to, back to society. So I, you know, did a bit of soul searching, you know, had a quarter life crisis and thought, what is it that I really like doing? Um, and I remember that when I was at uni, I, I spent a bit of time tutoring, you know, high school students and then first year uni students and second and third year uni students and thought, well, you know, maybe education's the, what I want to do. So I went back and retrained um, and I started teaching in the outer north of Melbourne at a hard to staff school. Um, where I was for three years, where really, to be honest, it's, it, you know, it was, a, I think, in my mind, a failed government policy, taking, you know, graduates and putting them in hard to, 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 start, to staff schools, I think doesn't work, because I spent a lot of time learning how to behaviour manage, I didn't spend a lot of time learning how to teach. Yeah. Uh, I then took the opportunity to pivot into a, um, the independent sector. And because we had a family friend that worked there. So I moved from um, yeah, low socioeconomic status school to a high socioeconomic status school, completely different area. And then I, I really had an opportunity to kind of cut my teeth and learn how to teach. And to be honest, at the beginning, I wasn't fantastic because I had great behaviour management skills for difficult students that didn't really translate 
So I had a bit of a, a, a journey with them and I was with them for 10 years before I went to another similar school. Um, and then sort of along that way, as we were talking about before, I kind of had the opportunity to, to do some study uh, around the use of data and the reporting of data. And, you know, I, I kind of also had the opportunity to, well, I suppose, think about the use of data to understand culture in the classroom. I mean, I'd always used surveys from the beginning of my career to the end. Um, but it, it, you know, I, I suppose I had the opportunity to, to, to think more, more sort of richly and deeply about that, which is kind of where I came to this idea of classroom vibe. Uh, so for me, it's really just, to be honest, I wanted to call the book classroom vibe because I like the line, you know, it's the vibe out of the castle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because that's the vision that I have every time I pick your book up and I read it and I sit with the title of the book. I just, Imagine that courtroom where he's just like, it's just the vibe of the thing. Well, that's what I, when I talk about it, so I, when I present on it, that's the first slide that I have. I start with like the family and I say, yeah. who remembers this movie? Yeah. Uh, and actually it's really interesting because, well, interesting. The movie is about um, adverse possession, which is all about land law, which is entirely related to what I studied at university. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, kind of nice little segue. And then I put up the, a slide of um, Dennis Denudo and the dad in the, in having a discussion with that quote. And for me, quite literally, it's terrible, but I, I, you know, I'm like, I wanted to use that word vibe because to me, it does capture it. Like, you know, when we think about the classroom, there is this kind of intangible energy that, that sits in a classroom mm-hmm. that, that can make a difference. Um, yeah. You know, I think about my classrooms at the beginning versus my classrooms at the end, and there was a you know, you know, quite quite literally a, a, a measurable difference. Um, mm. So that's you know, I mean, that's the the short version of my story. I can go into a lot more detail, but essentially, yeah, I've, I've had fun. I've had these opportunities, and and really, I think that my life and my my work has been the true definition of the word career. Like you know, if you're careering down the road, you're kind of out of control. And that kind of feels like what it's been like. It was like, I'll go there, I'll go that way, and then I've ended up here. Yeah. And I, you know, so my last job was as a director of learning. It was awesome, great school, great staff. Um, but midway through 2019, the principal that had employed me moved on, and I realised, you know, I don't want to be here for the next phase. So I, I decided by the end of 2019 I was going to pivot into consulting, and then I pivoted into the pandemic. Um, but, you know, it gave me time to write a book, so my book, Classroom Vibe, which is what we're talking about, and to, to you know, meet all sorts of educators essentially around the country and even internationally and share my ideas. It's it's really fun. Yeah. And awesome. I highly recommend your book, which we'll get into talking about now. Yes. So obviously the, the topic of, you know, this podcast is, classroom vibe and and really maybe pulling apart some of the the things in in your new book classroom vibe so let's start with it's a pretty open question tim but how would you describe or define classroom vibe what is it so for me and you know whenever i talk about it i say this is my interpretation and i'm really happy for people to challenge me on it because we've all got our own way of seeing things but for me i think about the, the vibe or you know in the classroom as being um the learning focused atmosphere of the classroom um, and 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 I also add on to that as experienced by the students. Yeah. So for me, it's not what I think it is. It's not necessarily what a peer coming to observe me thinks it is. It's how the students are experiencing it. And for me, I think that's important because you know they are they are not our customers. I mean, customers the wrong word, but they are the you know they're, they're the they're the people we're working for. And you know, it's entirely possible that the way I perceive the the, the culture of the classroom might not necessarily be how mm. they're receiving it. 
Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you say that because it's, it's so true of what we project or expect as teachers of what, what the vibe is or if with all kinds of things. And then we, we get feedback from students and we engage and we realize that what I think is, is not what they're experiencing at all. And then I guess we have the choice of, do I, do I shift? Do I change? Or do I just keep doing what I'm doing? Yeah, I think that's, uh, that we, we do. And I think that that comes down to, I mean, you know, I suppose how receptive we are to the feedback as, as ourselves. Like we've, teachers are very good at giving feedback, but yeah. whether we're receptive to it is is another matter. Yeah. And, and you know, again, that's not a criticism. But, you know, I've, through my career, had all sorts of feedback through the years. And some of it's been, I won't say it's not, I've stopped saying good and bad, but because it's not, feedback's neither. It's about the use. Um, but some of it's not been particularly useful or actionable. Um, and whereas some of it has. So for me, I think as teachers, you know, we need to be curious about our practice and we need to be curious about how our practice is, is experienced in the classroom um, because we don't know and we don't know, yeah, we, we don't know how it's experienced. And, you know, I've spent, you know, through my career, I've had the opportunity to analyse, you know, thousands of data points of with regards to students' perceptions of teaching, both my survey and, and other surveys and ones that I've written and, you know, I've helped schools develop them. Um, and, you know, what you kind of see is that even in a single class, students experience, the, not the teacher, but experience the vibe or the culture in the classroom in, in vastly different ways. So in one, you know, and my biggest takeaway from what I've seen in the data is that um, our students experience us in vastly different ways. And, and there's more variation within a class than there is between classes in terms of how students experience the culture. And I think that's important for teachers to reflect on. So, you know, there are some students that are really having, often having a really positive experience in the classroom and some that are not. And I yeah. think um, for as teachers, we have a responsibility to understand that and try and minimise the gap between them. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, and it kind of, um, you, you know, when you were talking about feedback and the way that the classroom culture makes students feel and that it can be perceived from you know in multiple ways by different students it kind of made me think of that quote that you know students don't remember what you taught them but they always remember how you made them feel Mm -hmm. and you know that kind of for me really epitomizes what our classroom culture you know sits around like it's it's learning won't happen in our classrooms unless we get that culture right. I think it's, I think, you know, you won't, you certainly won't maximise it and you mm-hmm. certainly won't engage all children if you, if, if it's not a focus. So, mm-hmm. I mean, part of what I talk about in the book is, you know, and it, this comes from management consulting is we've got that wonderful expression, culture, you know, eat strategy for breakfast. And I think it's true in classrooms as well. Like you can mm-hmm. plan you know, the best feedback strategies or the best, you know, you know, best, you know, have your best go at um, gradual release of, release of responsibility or whatever it is you're going to try. But if you haven't got the foundation set, it won't land. It won't mm. land for all children or, or all the children in your care. So I think that for me, you know, culture really is the strategy. Um, and it's probably, it's a bit naff, but I think that if we focus on that, we focus on the trusting relationships, we focus on perceptions around, you know, our competence in the classroom and all of the other elements that I think that, you know, feed into classroom vibe, then I think that you, you and um, you just didn't, you know, you enhance student engagement. I think that probably you enhance student motivation and, and well-being and ultimately outcomes. Yeah. So there was a 
teachers listening that want to gather some feedback around student perspectives for you know the classroom culture how might they go about doing that now we are in the beginning of a school year here in Australia but we do have colleagues around the world that are you know halfway through their their school year looking towards the end of end of um their academic year how might we go about finding out what our culture is there are there are lots of ways and I would never want to say that one way is the best way although I think one way is the best way um so you might, um, you know, and it depends on where a teacher is at in terms of their journey and, and what their receptivity is and, you know, how how they feel about collaboration, how they feel about collaborating with, you know, their peers and, and, and so forth. But I think there's lots of ways to get feedback. One is you might say, you know, in Australia, you might use the, I think the eights all have a, a, a reflection pro forma that you can use to essentially, you know, um, not rate, but you can reflect on your practice against the Australian professional teaching standards. Yeah. That's a, a great place to start. Um, you also then might have a peer come in and observe you, um, not generally, but around a specific aspect. You might, what is it, what's it called? Micro engage in micro teaching. So you might film yourself and then watch it afterwards and hopefully not be too shocked about what it is you've watched, but, you know, to get some feedback. Um, like all of those are great ways. I think, you know, I personally, I think the best way is to actually engage the students and to, to use some sort of student perceptions of teaching survey. And there are lots of them out there. In Australia, there are plenty of companies like um, there's, you know, Pivot Professional Learning offer a survey. There's um, Educator Impact have a survey up in New South Wales. Uh, who else? There's, um, I think, MMG up in New South Wales offer a survey that, to independent schools. You can hop online, to be honest, and you can you can download lots of them. And they're all great. Um, and, you know, I've got my survey and... And, you know, I think my survey is good also. You know, there's a copy of it in my book. But to be honest, it, to me, it, it's not really a matter of which one. It's just that the process is actually I want to get some feedback. Mm. How, what, what do I feel comfortable with? Um, and like I said, if, if you feel more comfortable to beginning with self-reflection, I think that's wonderful. Um, the reason why I think, like, you know, going to your students is is probably the, the best way because, um, the, you know, the what is it, the... Measures of Effective Teaching Progress uh, project that was funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation back in the early 2010s um, sort of highlighted that student perceptions of teaching is a, you know, a reliable, valid way of collecting actionable information for teachers. Uh, and it's probably more reliable than ob observation and more reliable than sort of other value-add measures. So I think to me, it kind of makes sense. And, you know, there's some wonderful quotes out there, I think, from Graham Nuttall's book saying, you know, if, if you want to understand the impact of teaching and learning, you kind of have to go to, to those who are experiencing it. So the, the students, um, like you could come and watch my class and say, yep, that was great, but it doesn't, doesn't tell me how the kids experienced it and what landed, you know, and, and my, my mind, like when I think about like the idea of knowing the, you know, knowing your impact as a teacher, I kind of don't just want to know my impact at the end after I've done my post-test. I want to know my impact along the way, yeah. which you know, means, you know, you can draw on your Dylan Williams style and your Harry Fletcher Woods style responsive approaches to teaching and learning. And I know that, um, who was it? Bronwyn Ryrie Jones talks a lot about that. You know, I think anything that gets teachers thinking about the journey is wonderful. And for me, the culture is just another element along the side of it. It's about, you know, that's about the experience in the classroom. Yeah. And no, I really like that. And I like those, different ways that we can gather that feedback and I think you know we we often talk on the podcast around bringing that student voice in and I think it's not a voice that we often go to when we're looking for feedback around teaching and the the culture that we have in our classroom but it's definitely one I think we need to elevate more um, in our profession. 
Look, I agree. I, th- I think it's one of the ones that we, it, it can feel uncomfortable. Yeah. It can feel as though, you know, no one becomes a teacher to do a bad job. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you just can't. Um, you don't last very long. But to examine our practice in a way where we're, you know, um, opening ourselves to that, we're making mm. ourselves vulnerable, it can kind of threaten our sense of identity. So I mm. think that, you know, schools engage in this, they need to do so in a way that's um, sensitive to that for teachers. So none of this is about judging. Mm. It's about opportunity for improvement. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And it's it's all about that mindset, isn't it? Whenever we look at feedback, it's even the same when we look at student data. It's like, how do we, we see it as, Sorry, I've got a little friend here joining me. That's all right. But um, it's about we don't want to look at that and go, oh, make, I'm a bad teacher. It's it's feedback to help us. So, That's right. Yeah. And it's about how these kids are experiencing me. It's not, it's, it's yeah, it's not, yeah, I don't believe, like, you know, so I've played with data for a long time in schools and I think one of the biggest challenges that we have is the, the, the and you said it, the mindset. We have a judgment mentality, uh, mentality when it comes to data. And, and, you know, the media doesn't help it. The education systems inadvertently don't help it by publishing, publicising certain data. So we end up with competition that's, you know, just doesn't help. Mm. And in fact, probably yeah. down here, like, you know, when the data gets published, you just have good school, bad school, and it's, it's just not that simple. Yeah, that's um, right. So for me, you know, I don't mind the idea of accountability, but for me, accountability, particularly when you talk about data or, or anything, is about teacher engagement with the process. It's not about the numbers. It's, so, you know, I, want, I would want, and when I was in my school as a leader, I was much more interested in knowing my teachers were engaging in an improvement process than w- what their absolute numbers were. Mm. Uh, I, because, you know, we all start in different places. N- none of us are equal, but we can all aim to get better. And it doesn't matter how good we are. Like there's a wonderful quote from a, a golfer who has kind of fallen from grace. So I won't mention his name, but the quote is essentially, you know, it doesn't matter how good we get, we can always get better. And that's kind of the exciting part. Mm. And it is like, you know, no matter how good you are as a teacher, you know, there's always a kid you can, you know, there's always a way to get better. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely right. And I think like we were, we were going to talk a lot about like why it's important, but I think we've, we've covered so much of that already in this, you know, conversation, but you know, one thing we love we love doing here on the podcast is you know for people to listen, and then go okay, I can go away and and I can I can do this or I can not do this. So I guess I, a good question moving forward is you've talked a little bit about you know getting feedback from students, but what are some of the other I guess do's and don'ts you would say about building and creating that classroom vibe that's a positive learning experience for students. Well, so, I mean, it's a tough one because when I talk about it, like I would never want to say to a teacher, these are the eight steps to build your classroom vibe because I don't know where you are in your journey. So I don't think yeah. it's it's necessarily, you know, one of the things that I found frustrating in schools as a teacher and I tried to avoid as a leader I, was I thought, you know, the what, this year we're going to focus on this element of professional learning because the reality is that in a school of even 20 teachers, it's not going to be relevant for every teacher. Mm, yeah. So for me... And when I present on it, like I like to introduce the ideas. So, you know, uh, within my model for, for classroom vibe, I focus on the high yield or the high yield influences of teacher credibility and teacher clarity, because for me, they're really compelling. And I like them because they're also umbrellas. So the idea of teacher credibility is focused on, you know, the nature of trusting relationships in the classroom, the, the, the sense from the students of, around the competence of the teacher, the, the, the te- uh, student 
Yeah, that's right. The student sense of um, teacher passion, so the energy they bring as as a teacher, but also their their passion for the subject, and then also um, what do you call it? Their immediacy within the classroom. So you know how, and then you know teacher clarity. Um, you know, is about I suppose the clarity of speech, clarity of organisation that students perceive, clarity of explanation, and the use of guided practice and and um, clarity around assessment. But I would. And, you know, within each of those, there's heaps of different things you can be trying. But mm. it wouldn't be until, in my mind, you've got feedback from a cohort of kids that I would be saying this is what you need to do. Yeah. So, you know, for example, um, I I ran my survey with a school in uh, Singapore two years ago, three years ago, and um, this was with a Year 5 class. And the teacher that ran the survey, she, you know, the feedback that was the, you know, the, the the area of the the that came out of the data as the biggest opportunity for improvement for her was um, two questions. And I'm going to try and remember them. One of them was, um, you know, I feel comfortable making mistakes in this class, and I feel comfortable asking my teacher for help. So the students rated her their experience in the classroom as the lowest for those two items, and the teacher was really, you know, she was quite gutted because she just finished a six month growth mindset intervention with the class. And she'd felt really quite positive about that. But she leaned into it and she went and ran a focus group with the class. And then on off the back of running that focus group, she identified that actually, hang on, she'd missed a few things. And she went back and she, you know, she, 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 um, you know, she, she, she said about improving her actions and her behaviors in the classroom. And she reran the survey six months later and she had massive improvement in those two questions. Um, and that's not necessarily what I would have had to focus on. Um, so I guess I, I'm not avoiding answering your question. I'm saying that I wouldn't I wouldn't know. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to know. I wouldn't presume to know what any teacher needs to do in their classroom without knowing what the data says. So the, the, the number one thing they need to do is collect some data, whatever yes. it is, and then identify what they need to improve. And I will say this, because um, I'm a big fan of this, schools are busy places, teachers are busy. If they want to get better, they need to, you know, they don't have much time. They should focus on the thing that's going to give them the biggest bang for their buck. So in my mind, you need to collect data. Mm, yep. And like you said, I guess your biggest do in this conversation is collect some data. Yep. Use that to help you make your decisions. Yep. And what, like you said, what you're going to focus on rather yep. than it being guesswork or I think it's this, what's the actual evidence that's going to tell you what your what your focus needs to be. Absolutely. Like what I'd say, and I, when I, I, I talk about, um, what is it, the oh, Dunning-Kruger effect. I, I'm, are either of you familiar with that? No. So Dunning-Kruger is uh, like a cognitive bias by which sometimes we overestimate our abilities. Uh, so, you know, for example, and, um, you know, back in the 80s, there was a study done by a Swedish academic, I think, called Svensson, where they asked um, students from the US and the from Sweden essentially to rate their driving ability. And, and I won't go through, I'm going to not remember the stats and someone will email me later and I got them wrong. But essentially when they were asked, teachers were asked, not teachers, when drivers, students were asked to rate their ability in the US, 90% or give or take of the students said that they were above average in terms of their driving ability. And nearly 70% said they were above average in terms of their safety. And the numbers were similar in Sweden. And so the point here is that there is this massive perception reality gap for a lot of people in terms of their, their ability. And, you know, this doesn't isn't just a, a, a function of driving. It's been replicated in all sorts of things, and it's been replicated in teaching. So a woman called Patricia Cross did a study back in the 70s, 
at the University of Nebraska and they are you know, cheekily asked the question, you know, not can university teaching be improved, but will it? Um, and they essentially asked university professors to rate their ability and they found very similar figures. So 90% of university professors considered their teaching to be above average and worse or you know, curiously, nearly 70% of them considered their teaching to be in the top 25%. So I guess wow. the point of that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I guess the point of that is we don't know how good yeah. we are and we don't know what we need to improve. And when I read those studies and read those stats, it made me think, oh, gosh, every time I sat up the back of the hall during professional development going, this doesn't mean, this doesn't relate to me. It's like, actually, well, maybe it did. Maybe I should, mm -hmm. I should have more of an open mind. Yeah. Got my brain ticking over now. <laughs> well, it changed my mind as a leader. Yeah. It means when you're standing in front of 100 people. Yeah. 80 to 90 of them think this, this, this means nothing to me. Mm. I mean, probably, you know, it's probably, oh, maybe not. And, and it's just because we've got that bias there. Um, yeah. And it's not unless you've got evidence around your practice that you can go, oh, okay, you know, maybe I need to focus on this. Mm. Yeah. This actually is something I need to, to work out or, yeah, yeah, explore more. Yeah. And I liked how in the, in the story that you shared um, of that teacher in Singapore that, you know, they were able to identify that you know the area for development and they could see clear ways that they could go about addressing that um, mm -hmm. and then saw that improvement which I think you know as teachers we often look at the data and go oh yeah that's a you know that's an area we need to work on and then we just you know put it to the side and we just you know kind of keep going about our way because mm. you know we're, we're we're busy people and classrooms don't stop mm -hmm. um as we in Australia begin the year and we're, you know, setting up our new classrooms and meeting our new students and creating that culture, how do we sustain the, that culture long-term, you know, as, as the year continues on and what do, what do teachers need to do to, I suppose, I don't know, have those points throughout the year where they're reflecting on that culture and getting that feedback so that they can ensure that, the classroom vibe and the classroom culture is still effective. I mean, that's a really, you know, I mean, that's that's a, that's a question that's, I guess, relevant to everything, isn't it? Because as the you're right, as the year begins, we start with the best intentions. Yeah. But but you know, all of a sudden, parents are getting in contact with us. It's you know, parent information evening. We've got to provide plan. feedback. So nap plan. And nap plan's <laughs> early this year, isn't it? Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that, and yeah, this is where I think some of the work that's coming out about mindfulness. So, you know, you read some of it, so Amy Green stuff and some others that are out there, this idea of how do you build that sort of practice into your day where you're grounding yourself when you're actually, um, you know, you, you're, you're able to be your best you. Yeah. Um, because again, none of this is about judgment. Like I'm reading a book at the moment. I'm going to, I was going to hold it up. I know people won't be able to see it, but it's on. Put uh, it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> but between parent and child by Dr. Haim, and I'm, I pronounced that incorrectly, Haim G. Ginnott. But it's from the 50s and he's got another book that he's written, which is on between, because he was an ex-teacher before he became a like a psychotherapist, between, I can't see it here, between teachers and students. Um, and essentially it's about the way we, you know, we, we bring a mindfulness to our communication with people to, to enhance relationships. So I think that we need to be good and at maintaining a mindful approach. So, you know, I, there can be stuff going on for me but when I step into the classroom, these students have my presence because my actions today can echo in terms of the culture through the year. So if I've got a, ba a bad mood or if I, you know, I snap at a kid, 
or, or so forth. It's it's for me. I mean, you know, it's it does it. You know, it's the same as true for leaders. We need to be mindful in terms of all of our interactions. It's hard, really hard. Yeah. Um, but for me to sustain the vibe is you want you want to make sure that it's it's you know you identify what what you want to improve on. You know, you you, you engage in essentially it's action research. So it is the sort of thing that could be like part of a teacher's personal reflective practice. I've identified this is something I need to work on. I'm going to work on these things. But then it's just about, you know, keeping focused, doing doing your best and and being mindful. It's probably not a um it's not an easy question to answer because teaching is complicated, isn't it? It is, yeah. definitely is. Yeah. But I think like you were alluding to. Tim, it's it's about continuing to be intentional and even like I know what you said Alice is um you know maybe being I guess more strategic in forcing ourselves to have those points where we stop and and check in on that thing like oh how am I going with this whether we we pre-plan in our a diary or something you know a little note of in this week I'm going to give myself time to to stop and look back on that thing because it is, it's so easy to go, yes, I'm doing this, I'm going and I've got all this stuff and then everything else happens and it's so easy for us to to get off course. And so it's it's about continually, like you said, being mindful and coming back to that, that thing and remaining intentional, but also, you know, maybe um, looking at some of the things, the habits and the things that we have in place to avoid getting to that sense where we just feel like, oh, I just can't do this anymore. Um, I like the word you said. It's going to have an impact on the vibe too, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's the, you know, actually, first of all, I want to say, for me, the word is intentionality. I really like that you draw on that. Like, I mean, it's all of it. It's, you know, if you want to have a good feedback practice, it's about being intentional. But, you know, it's about, you know, what what, what we focus on works. But I do Mm. think that there is a need to, you know, as teachers, not just at the end of the term to, 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 to create space. It's to, even if it's just a five minute, like, you know, meditation, like now I use, I've got a Fitbit and I haven't got it here, but it's got a little two minute, you know, you know, like buzz where you put your hands on it and like, you know, just say two minutes to meditate. And I do that every day. And it's awesome because I, it, it just, it creates space for me. Yeah, I, I do. I, I, I've um, subscribed to an app on my computer or phone called essentially yoga 15 so it's like 15 minute yoga sessions who hasn't got 15 minutes at the end of the day to do a quick stretch i mean you know i've got three kids as you do alice and i think you said you've got two aaron but yeah i've got 15 minutes i can find 15 minutes throughout the day and i found or i find when i'm doing that when i do that consistently i just feel better yeah um and all of that stuff so you know teacher well-being contributes to yeah, I mean, it contributes to your capacity to, to be your best in the classroom. Mm. Yeah, I love that. One of the things I, I love to do um, is use like smiling mind as another mm-hmm. um, resource to, to do that, to practice that mindfulness. And the great thing about that is to, as an educator, you can get a free um, like account. And so, like you said, it's, it's there, it's quick, it's easy. I can do, you know, and even with, with that one, if, if you are feeling, I've only got two minutes, you can do a shorter one, um, you know, and even if you find, because I know I found it hard at first to, to get into that habit of practicing, but one of the things I loved about Smiling Mind is I can start small with like the two or three minute ones and I can slowly build up the time. So, you know, I can get through a 15 minute one now and not have that, like, I feel like it was a waste of my time because I wasn't really engaged for the 15 minutes. So. But that, that's the, like, you know, they talk about meditation kind of being a muscle, don't they? And it's just about. Mm. 
building it in and yep. and and taking the time. Like what I'm trying to what I'm trying to work on now is getting up at five in the morning so that I've got a little bit more time. I'm not being very successful at the moment. I'm not getting up to a seven, but I'm trying. The alarm goes off. Um, I find that because I, I'm not reading enough now, I'd like to read more. I keep buying books. I keep piling up and I don't get mm-hmm. through. Um, but, you know, again, that's, it's the intentionality. It's going, this is what I'm, you know, I, what do you, it's like time boxing or whatever it is. Like you know, I, I, I now try to really block out time and go, I'm going to do this task for this time and, if, and I'll get as much done as I do. Yeah, yeah. And because, you know, everything gets done, it always does. Like I think sometimes as teachers, we, and it's been a long time since I've had a full load, but I think sometimes we 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 can achieve more with less time if we prioritise what we need to get done sometimes. I think sometimes we, we multitask a bit more than we need to. Mm, interesting. It's, it's funny that you say that boxing thing because I did a professional thing and they really talked about that. The, the idea of multitasking being a good thing is actually the worst thing we can do for our productivity mm. because multitasking actually makes us less productive than, like you said, blocking out time and going, I'm just working on this one thing. Well, multitask- I, mean, what they say? I can't remember the studies, but it doesn't really exist. It, I mean, it exists mm. as an idea, but we're not functional doing it. Mm. Yeah, we're never fully engaged in something. And yeah. We're never I mean, fully- I, yeah, I struggle because i got a big, I got a big, big screen set up and I sometimes have more things open than I should. And I go, Oh, an email's coming in. I just need to turn it off because, you know, I'm, you know, like I'm right. Supposed to be writing a book at the moment. Um, and I, every now and I blocked, blocked permanently blocked out on Mondays. And then all of a sudden, like, I don't do anything. And <laughs> I hope Alicia's not listening. <laughs> no, no. Well, hi Alicia. This, this isn't a book I'm writing for Alicia. I'll, I'll get to that one. I promise. <laughs> No, real like that's a really good thing. Like we we um had that chat about those really important things in order, like you were saying, Alice, to to keep that mm-hmm. momentum, um, and keep the, I guess the vibe the vibe alive. Yeah, yeah. that way, like that. I, I think it's just it, like it's hard, isn't it? Because the school year does have it ebbs, it does have its ebbs and flows. But there is a quote I'm not going to remember. It. It's again from this guy, Haim, you know, and he talks about the fact that you know for him as a teacher, you know, he had the scary realization that as as the teacher with kids every day, he had the power to make or break what the day was like, mm. you know, mm. every day. Yeah. And I think that that's an important realisation. So yeah. as a parent, it's the same thing, isn't it? Like, you know, actually mm. the way we respond in a moment to a, a student can have a big impact. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I think I talk about it in the book, like, you know, I'm ashamed of some of my early career interactions. I've been really fortunate yeah. to have met some of those kids later and they've gone, oh, don't worry about it. We're all kids. We're all in high school. But it doesn't change the fact that I, you know, I, I needed, well, I'm glad that I did learn. And, but, you know, I think that, you know, the way we interact with individuals, with our, with our peers as teachers, but also with the students can have a big impact. So I think we need to sometimes, mm. well, it's important to keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. And, um, you know, like from the conversation we had, this is, it's just such a big, broad topic and there's so many parts to it. And I really love that you pull apart some of those main things that we've talked about in your book. And, you know, if anyone's listening, you know, to the episode and they're going, this sounds so good. And culture is such a big thing to try and put into words. Like you said, it's, it's hard to articulate it and it's, it's contextual and it's all different. But obviously, you know, for those listening, check out Tim's book, Classroom Vibe, because there are some really great things in there that you can do. Um, There are a lot of practical strategies, but if there are, you know, 
people listening and they're, they're really keen to sort of do a bit more research into, you know, their their vibe and classroom culture and all of that because it has such an impact on what we do. Have you got any other suggestions of resources or places people could go other than your book to um to explore a little bit more? To think about, well, to think about culture, I think it's, um, you, know, it's a, you know, it's a good question. Like I, I For me, I would say you, you need to get, it's, it's, I'm kind of repeating myself, you need to go and get the evidence. So for me, around what, you know, how, how the classroom is experienced. So I would, you know, hassle your leadership team to see if there's a tool out there that they could use. I mean, but also, you know, not, that, that's what I would say to that. I'm sorry. It's not a very sort of um, solid answer. Like I, I'd read my book if you want to understand classroom culture. No, I, I think that there's, there's <laughs> you lots a masterclass, of, don't you? I do. I'm running design. a masterclass that's starting in, um, like towards the end of the month. So you could join me there um, or, or, you know, like I said, there's, there's so many different tools out there. Like I, I'm less interested in people simply just engaging with me and more interested in them, you know, if they want, hop online, hop onto Google, you know, Google classroom culture um, and and have a look at what comes up for you. Like there's so many great ideas out there. Like there's always stuff that pops up on Edutopia that's usually pretty interesting. Um, like, you know, this if you're really interested, you could hop in, to, you know, you can get into some academic reading and read, you know, Google and do some searching of the, um, you know, for me, the, the, the ideas of teacher credibility and teacher clarity and see what different schools are doing. I mean, Alice, we were talking more about context. So I've written a book that's generalised, but there are some studies out there that will talk about the different elements within different communities. So, you know, mm-hmm. urban communities versus rural communities versus, you know, you know, I suppose even different countries and so forth. So mm-hmm. for me... Um, you know, I think that I'm not, you know, there, I mean, there are other books out there that are really interesting. Like, again, you know, the passion, there's a book out there called The Passionate Teacher by, gosh, what's his name? It's, you know, it's just here. It's ridiculous. Um, by Robert L. Freed. I th- that, that, that's really I'm reading and that's quite interesting. Um, you know, for me, even the books that I'm reading that I mentioned before on, you know, communication between, between um, what do you call it, between teacher and student, I think is, is worthwhile. Mm, I think yeah. that focuses on trust. And building trusting, particularly, you know, post-COVID in in a world where we're talking increasingly about psychological safety, I think anything that focuses on this idea of nurturing trust in the classroom is important. Yeah. Um, Because I think that that's foundational. Like, I mean, Mm. you know, without trust, the rest of it isn't going to be anywhere near as good as it might be. Mm. And like you said, learning will happen, but it's not going to be maximised. It's not going to be as effective as it could be if you've got that foundation in place. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes our students learn in spite of us. But if, like you said, we're intentional and we're doing focusing on the things that matter, it's, it's going to maximise it. Oh, so, well, yeah, teaching, it's relational, isn't it? Like if you think about what social, so, yeah. socio-cultural theory or, or social, social, social cognitive theory, le- learning happens in dialogue. So, and it happens best when there's, you know, positive relationships amongst the classroom. And, and I think it's, you know, it, who wouldn't want to go to a class where there's positive relationships and great collaboration happening with the teacher and, and with students mm. and so forth and everyone's learning? It would be yeah. pretty awesome. And, and you think about it, like, isn't that what, isn't that as teachers what we want for our workplace? So mm. it's exactly the same for our students in the classroom, like oh. think about how do we go working in a, in a in a school environment where we didn't have that stuff. Yeah, there wasn't that clarity or even that passion or that vision or those kind of things or that positive relationship. Yep. It it would make our job so much harder. 
Well, for me, the next level up is, is school vibe. Mm. Um, and which is then you know in and which integrates the idea of like you know i suppose what the parent relationship with is with the Mm. school but even you know i like the the notion of collective teacher efficacy and not as well yeah as again as an outcome measure so we know from the research that it's a a strong influence on student outcomes but for me you know i've done some work with you know hattie and donahoe on um validating jenny donahoe's um survey instrument and for me, like, you know, focusing on the enabling conditions for collective efficacy, it's all about that vibe because it's all focused on supportive leadership, goal consensus, you know, embedded reflective practice, um, you know, empowered teachers and goal, uh, cohesive teacher knowledge. Like, I mean, Alice, that's that's mm. everything that you're achieving with a PLC that we were talking about yeah. before, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's, I mean, to me, it's really interesting. Like in education, all of the research, like we have different factions that kind of talk, but all of it's kind of built on the same base. And everyone yeah. has a slightly different flavor and a slightly different way of interpreting it, but everyone's kind of pulling in the same direction, I think, ultimately. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. People take. I, I know there are differences. I don't yeah. want to offend anyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so much richness in this discussion. Aaron, I'm interested to hear before we wrap up our discussion what your key takeaways were. Um, I think. Number one, what um, Tim was saying about being brave enough to ask the questions and get the feedback because sometimes we don't ask the questions because we're scared because mm. our, I guess our mindset about it is wrong because we take it personally rather than looking at it a bit of a, it's not about me, it's about the classroom mm. and what I can do to, to improve that. So I think it's, it's really about being intentional and knowing what is the information I want to get and how am I going to get it. And, and, you know, and asking those questions and then, you know, doing something about it, putting steps in place, um, making you know, change in changing some of those practices. And sometimes it doesn't have to be a big thing, but being intentional about, okay, I've got the information and now I'm going to do something with it. I think that's my yeah. um, takeaway from this episode. What about you, Alice? Nice. I was kind of leaning towards the same thing that, that action research into, into the classroom and the way that, you know, the teacher interacts with the student and the impact that that has on the students and their learning. And for me, I think one of the key takeaways other than what you said, Aaron, was really that the building of relational trust within that environment and the role that that plays in supporting that classroom culture. And, you know, we touched on on that kind of need to, it's almost testing the waters and and really being intentional in terms of stopping and going, okay, how is the classroom travelling? What yeah. is the current experience of the students and and where might we need to pivot to, you know, help maximise that learning? Um, so they were probably the real key takeaways for me from our discussion. What about you, Tim? We're just to hear what your key takeaways from... My, my takeaways. ..from uh, the chat that we've had this episode. <laughs> Look, I, I always like talking about this because I'm pretty passionate about it, but I, 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 I've been reminded um, to come back to that, that language intentionality. And, you know, and I'm also encouraged to hear like both of you talking about that, that sort of action research base and kind of what, what I do want to add when I was hearing you talk, Aaron, is for me, I don't think doing this kind of work needs to be big work. It, it can be really quick work. So, it's, so the, the, for teachers, it doesn't need to feel like, oh, my gosh, there's something else that I need to do. It can really be a oh I'm gonna I want to you know I want to get some feedback quickly based on that I'm, I then want to um, engage in an improvement process but it's not 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 big 
it's really just yeah. about that intentional openness to, to getting better. Mm. Yeah. Looking at what works for the context. Yeah, that's exactly right. Of your, mm. your students. And I, I also think I like, I like the notion of you know, taking that and even scaling it up to look at more broadly the school and how, you know, um, both Aaron and I are leaders within school and, and Tim, you have been as well, around how our staff are perceiving the culture. Mm. And that's, of, a, that's really interesting. Sorry. Is, sorry. Um, just, uh, so I'm doing some work with a school where last year I supported them to build a survey that yep. aligned, it was focused on teaching and learning, but they didn't run it at the classroom level. They ran it at the um, the whole school level. Yeah. And I, I really like that as a way into this within schools. So if you're a school leader, you know, it's not necessarily about, whoa, we're going to get all of our teachers to do this, but they, they ran the survey with all kids. They got some feedback around the same, you know, their domains. Yeah. So the thing is, you know, and those domains related to what that school valued. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to begin to use that this year to work in, you know, in not, not well, I suppose like, you know, PLCs to understand what that means for their context. And then, mm. you know, I would imagine that what will happen is that they'll begin that, you know, there'll be teachers that want to go deeper and then understand what's happening in their classroom. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, and I think you kind of reference this. It doesn't just need to be about the classroom. So that, that you know, it can be about the, the the teachers' perceptions. Like I'm sure your schools run a survey every year, which is gives a sense around the teacher understanding. For me, I, I think it's an underutilized element of school improvement. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation this episode, Tim, and I thank you for coming to join us on the Teacher Takeaway podcast. Always enjoy listening to you speak and get a lot out of out of the conversation. Where might people connect with you if they're wanting to get in touch and learn more about Classroom Vibe or jump on your masterclass? How, where can they find you? Um, they can find me on LinkedIn. That's where I spend way too much time. Um, <laughs> um, like if you, uh, who am I there? I'm Dr. Tim O'Leary. If you Google Tim O'Leary link, actually, no, don't do that because there's so many Tim O'Learys. It's ridiculous. Uh, but I'm on, um, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter sometimes, but I'm, I'm, I don't know if you both spend time on Twitter, but I just, I, I, I've never figured it out. Yeah, I'm with not, you, Tim. Not much of a Twitter no. person these days. No, no, you know, nothing against people that are on it, but I've, I've been, I tried to get into some of the, the, the Twitter chats and like, I just miss everything mm. and I, I don't understand it. So maybe I'm showing my age. Uh, but yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can Google my me and educational data talks and that pops up the business. So if people are, are interested in the masterclass, I'm running one in February, but I'll definitely be running them later in the year. And that's that they can find that online. Um, and if you, if you are interested, and then and you get a copy of the book with that. So don't buy a book beforehand. Yeah. Um, Good tip to know. Yeah. yeah. If they or, wanted to buy the book, where would they be able to purchase it from? So there are lots of places. Uh, you can buy it on Amazon, Booktopia. You can go to amberpress.com.au, I think it is. Um, yep. But at the moment, the cheapest place uh, is up on Amazon. Yeah. Um, so I'm always interested in saving people money. So I would look there and I think it's like 26 bucks or something like that up there yeah um, but it's yeah I, I've enjoyed myself so thank you for having me oh thank you for coming mm, and so joining thanks us for joining us Tim. highly recommend getting your hands on a copy of the classroom vibe definitely a good read and a must read as always thank you listeners for joining us on the teacher takeaway podcast you can connect with us on our socials twitter instagram and facebook 